welcome to the Four Color Nerds podcast. I'm Matt, and I'm joined by the other nerds, Ryan. Hello. In a all-testosterone-loaded episode. <laughs> That's right. No girls today. Nothing but Y chromosomes. Nothing but Y chromosomes, manly, manly talk, mustaches, facial hair, mighty beards, and <laughs> other dude things. <laughs> uh, together... Uh, Ryan and I are going to take uh, on the week's comics. Uh, each week, we review a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers. Duh. If you don't want to hear spoilers, stop now. Go read the books and then come back. Done yet? Okay, good. Each week, one of us picks their favorite book of the week, and that's our pick of the week. This week, I am that nerd. This week, the pick of the week goes to The Goddamned Number One. The Goddamned Number One is put out by Image Comics, written by Jason Aaron, who we really love to talk about. Indeed. <laughs> uh, and art by R.M. Guerra. Yes. Did, was his name really listed R.M.? Yeah, so it's it's R.M. Guerra. Um, he's, uh, I think he's from, I want to say, Serbia. Um and then he moved to like Spain. So like the RM is like something Milosevic. And then Guerrera, when he moved to Spain, he like took his nickname and made it into like the Spanish version. Because then he was on Run from the Law. <laughs> it's the same uh, creative team that did um, Scout. If you if you read Scout, I have not read. So Scout. it's like the band's like back together again, kind of. So I was really That's excited great. for that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a. Ridiculously good book. It was probably the uh, the best Bible comic <laughs> I've ever read. It's the best Bible comic ever. Yes. <laughs> it also made me think of uh, that Noah movie. The the horrible one with. Uh, I didn't Gitter. think it was horrible. Yeah. I didn't think it was good, but I didn't think it was horrible. Yeah. Also, I, I've noticed a trend that we're starting to read books with one armed people. <laughs> that does seem to be a trend like if you take in uh you know walking dead and uh well i haven't read that and i do not intend to do so it's a lot to catch up on it's worth it but it's you know you're 140 something issues in so mm. no but lee um oh what is that book with the witches and the stuff with the witches and eating the fairies monstrous oh yeah 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 the main character there at the one arm. That's true. No, but but this one is like, he continues on with that kind of whole idea of it was like, uh, and and this is also in like the Scorpion King, that like there's Eden, right? Right. And then you leave Eden, and it's this white land with nothing but like Mad Max. Yeah, I thought this was like Mad Max meets uh, the, the Bible, you know, basically. Yeah. And it also kind of seems like a little bit of like um, the kind of world that they made to some degree in like Hercules, the legendary adventures and Xena, but like really dark. Yes. Well, because it's just like really simplified Western view of what we picture like prehistoric life to be. Yeah. And everything's always in a desert. Well, and it's so desolate. It's not just the fact that there's a desert. It's just these people have wreaked such havoc on the land, you know? Yeah. That they have completely just devastated it, um, which I think... Yeah, I guess it, it kind of makes sense, you know, depending on which version of the Bible you read. But this is why we got flooded. Yes, that God needs to wipe the the slate clean. Um, the, the Nephilim they mention in this book are, are running around. These people... Uh, are see any giants? Yeah. Like what? Really tall guys? Yeah, I like this to explain what a giant is. <laughs> Seriously. I also really like their names for everything. Are so they're extremely accurate, but they're really simple and very crude. You know. Yeah. It's a really good book. It really kind of inspired me to want to go write something about an immortal man who's like in the post-apocalypse. Yeah. Well, and I, I liked. Um, I mean, I really like, I felt the story was really strong. The art is amazing. Um, like, there's so many details. Like, 
every little corner of the pictures you want to look in, you're going to see something really horrific and brutal and very detailed. You know, mm-hmm. like there's that scene where they're all like laughing at the guy who falls in the the fire because that, that's funny. Um, <laughs> and then, oh, I guess in that kind of world, it I is. guess so. I guess so. <laughs> when you know you're living in a a village that you've completely destroyed the source of water because you use it as your like restroom and where you throw all the dead bodies in and it you know poisons your water because yeah. you're Which just might be a little bit of the reason why you've gone completely insane. Yeah. Well, like there's that picture um, of the what are they called the the stone dogs. Um, and that guy has that little like necklace thing made out of like eyeballs that he's wearing. And, you know, it's just, and then they have all these like animal corpses lying around that like all these like vultures and wolves are feeding on. Um, it's, it's definitely full of, of brutality, you know, it is, it, it's a, it's a very, uh, what I want to say kind of old school British book. I'm like, this is straight up 2080. Yeah, it reminds me... Art style, the writing. A lot, a lot of Mad Max. I mean, I think that's a clear... You know, the parents of this book are like Mad Max and the space in between Bible verses, you know? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Like, you might care more if we wrote it like this. Yeah. 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 No, I really really kind of dug it. Um, I get what you're saying about Mad Max. I just... It's that... I don't get why those worlds, like, people think that they rationally would exist. I mean, maybe, you know, if this is, like, right after the downfall of something, but I just don't get people surviving long enough to get to a point like this. I think they would all just die out. Yeah, they do seem incapable, not just of living, like, a good or righteous life, but just Mm -hmm. of life in general. Like, the basic rules of, you know, you don't destroy your, you know, your source of water that's you know, like they seem to lack basic skills. <laughs> yeah, and and just the world around them, it it's it, it's like living in Mordor. You don't do it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the idea here um, is because these people are all you know are sinners that these are like the fruits of like sin that they this is what the world looks like in mm. in sin. Um, so I guess that, that's one you know one perspective on it. I think. So what is it? The land of Enoch. Uh, well, the land of Enoch is, or east of Eden is where uh, Cain was was banished to. So I don't know if that's where he's at now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, because it's been they said sixteen hundred years since the fall of Eden, which I right. like the line about you know how his parents were born into paradise. It took him a couple weeks to get kicked <laughs> two out. Two weeks. Two weeks to get kicked out. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I love that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I've got a timeline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but. Um, so that's where he's he's wandering, and he's basically looking for something to end his existence because, you know, God has, has cursed him with being immortal, so nothing can kill him. So he keeps going around and trying to, like, find these, uh, these things that he thinks might be able to kill him, basically. And he ends up uh, fighting a dinosaur, which is pretty awesome. It was pretty badass, but I wish it would have been more... Than just like that one spread, like the actual fight between the two of them, not just like yes. here it is, you know. Yeah, that was. Yes. And then you also, so you don't just have um, Kane in here. Um, you also have a uh, a badass dude with an axe uh, named Noah. Yeah, Noah. Noah. Lumberjack, trapper, shipbuilder, man of God. Yeah, I like that uh, when he's finally when he's talking to the the village that Kane went in and just completely destroyed. There's that line, like, right at the end, like, what animals do you have here? Yeah, seriously, he's <laughs> like, I'm collecting a bunch of animals. And then, but only two of them. Yeah, and well, then he's, I think he's taking, like, slaves. Like, there's that cart in the back that is, like, full mm-hmm. of people. So I don't know why he's taking the people, unless they're maybe supposed to be food for the animals, because he doesn't want to feed actual animals to them. You know? That's the only thing I can think That's of. True. That, you know, if you have, that would be you know... A ridiculous rabbits. turn of yeah, you've like got a bunch of rabbits that you're feeding to like the tigers or whatever. Like you're wiping out. Yeah, he needs to save the animals, not necessarily like the people will be his family. But and then like it's kind of that's one thing I did kind of like. Um, when you're going through like all the animals, a lot of these are animals that do not exist. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it seemed like a kind of heavy metal. Of, I don't really draw well, but here's something that looks kind of animalish. Uh, it's gonna die soon anyway, so it's okay. 
Yeah, because like it's like a weird kind of mutant dinosaur kangaroo thing. Emu or something. Yeah, it's yeah. But it's uh, there's definitely there's animals in here um, that look like like you said they're like straight from an issue of like heavy metal or you know. Um, but the writing some Mobius design. Yeah, like one thing that like Jason Aaron um, is really good at, um, and I talked about this a little bit when we when we did um, Southern Bastards. I think I referenced back to um, Scalped also. Is he's really good at giving you a story from like multiple points of view. That you'll have like, you know, an arc that's maybe like Cain, and you'll have an arc that's going to be Noah, and then you'll have an arc that's going to be someone else. Um, so that the one armed boy. <laughs> he's a little the little kid with the messed up teeth that wants to hang out with Kane. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, in all honesty, if I'd just seen someone uh, murder like an entire tribe of the best warriors I knew, I'd probably think he would somebody to stick with in the apocalypse. So Yeah, this is true. <laughs> Did you notice one thing about um Noah and his band? He's got uh looks like iron tools. I did not notice that. Yeah. Everyone... All the way through the book, it's all Stone Age stuff. You're right, and then his looks like metal. And Noah shows up, and they've got metal armor and metal tools, and I mean they're high, high tech, advanced people compared to these guys. Well, I mean, if you're continuing the idea that you know sin will lead to like the degradation, like downfall of man, that you can't advance when you're yeah. hired by sin. If they're if they're godly, then they may be more advanced, or God has given them metal tools so that they can go and actually build the ark. You know. Yep. Uh, hey, look, so you got very little time to build this thing. Uh, there's not really any trees, but here's some metal. Yeah. You're going to need that to cut these down fast. Yeah, I mean, I just, I really enjoyed this book. Um, I think, uh, I mean, Jason Aaron, every time we get one of his books, we, we all seem to really like it. Um, it's a very, very strong writer, and he's teamed up with uh, the artist that he worked with on, uh, on Scalp, uh, which was really awesome uh, series about uh, basically a Native American FBI agent that was was like on the reservation like trying to you know take down the criminal organization that's there mm -hmm. and then you see that story from all different points of view like you see it from like you know like Red Crow's point of view and then you see it from like the criminal's point of view and it all you know at the end there's a big showdown but it's like it's much it's kind of the opposite of what you would expect from a story that things are less clear as the story goes on in terms of right. who the good guys and bad guys are, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's, it's a nice uh, world that he, he's able to build. So I, I really am looking forward to this one. I think it's going to be awesome. The art is amazing. Yeah. The writing is solid. Um, just the design of things is just, it's, it's awesome. I know I keep saying that, but I really... <laughs> There's, it's hard to describe unless you can see um, the the pages how how it is, but it is it is awesome. Is the best adjective I have right now. I am full of awe at looking at this and reading this. Um, it is definitely worth plunking down your money for uh, and and checking it out, even if you're not uh, usually a big comic book fan, or if you hear something, oh, it's based on the Bible. I don't want to read that. Um, I don't really like the Bible. Well. It's got a lot of God in it. Well, that's the thing. In this God, there's no one in this book who <laughs> is pro-God, <laughs> you know? Like, uh, oh, Cain yeah. is like, God is an asshole. <laughs> the, uh, well, no, Noah's that's, pretty pro-God. That's true. That's true. He's just not the, like, the soft, cushy God that everybody thinks yeah. of when you they think, you know, post-New Testament type stuff. Yeah, he's... Uh... He's not only Old and Testament, it, he's Old Testament before you even get the commandments. <laughs> Old Testament. He's like Old Testament first couple bill or like writings. Not like the revisions that they did to make it more palatable for like nicer yeah. calmer people. No, this is this is the god of like, the apocalypse, is, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And it is it is a spectacular piece of work. It is awesome. Speaking of awesome books. The next book that we have is Superman American Alien number one, whatever DC Comics, duh, <laughs> uh, written by Max Landis, which was awesome, uh, and art by Nick Dakota. I, I, um, I really love this book. Me too. I don't think you could have more of a tonal shift between uh, the two the two books. They are complete opposites of each other, but amazingly good in you know each one. It's it's really good. 
it's it's extremely good. It, it made me kind of harken back to when I was reading some of the the early two thousands Superman miniseries, like uh, the Birthright, and uh, oh, there was another one, Secret Origin, I think it was. Yeah. Um, they just they kind of captured the feel of Superman, but before he was Superman. That's the, what I really liked about this was the the sense of. Um, sort of like an inherent goodness, not just of like Superman, but of his, his parents also, you know, of Ma and Pa Kent. Um, and you could also see the lessons that will become Superman's like moral frame rate work being, being taught to him. And not just by words, but by like actions and events that happen, you know? Yeah. And, and not once does he say like, you know what? Let the kid die. <laughs> that's true that's true he does not tell them to let the bus of children uh drown yeah, seriously then there was like a lot of like little kind of just things that they flew in there like there was the one picture where he's like he can't control his flight yet and he's floating off into space and he's got the was a red shirt on and they kind of catch him with the hook oh yeah and it rips it and makes it into the the cape and he just happens to be wearing like all blue with red shoes yes it was awesome. It's like that. This book has so many moments of like of joy to it, you know. That of like it's like an innocent joy, but it's not devoid of like consequences in the real world. Like there are times when he is when he's afraid, when he like lashes out in anger, you know. Like I always thought, ET was a absolutely terrifying movie to watch as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. Like especially the scene where you know they they come in uh, and all their like. Uh, hazmat suits to to get et and take him away and you have this scene where clark is at like the the drive-in basically watching i mean they don't say it's et but to me it clearly was et and he's freaking out because he's the alien you know well he goes and looks in the mirror and right there is et yeah yeah so i mean that to me it has like true moments like that like what would it actually be like to you know to both have these powers you don't understand and then your child to be coping with all of this at the same time. But yeah, like his parents, I never get the sense that his parents are afraid of him or for him. Like they're doing their best to, to teach him and like support him, you know, you're kind of like, we've made a decision. We're going to stick to this decision. We're going to do the best we can. Yeah. Yeah. And there's um, like, just like there, there's where he's teaching him how to fly. And he's uh, in the, like the cornfield, like he's, he's holding him up and like running with him to help him fly. Reminded me so much of like when you're pushing a kid like with their bike on their training wheels, you know, and you let go. Um, there's just lots of parenting moments in this book that like really ring true. Yeah, it was a perfect kind of parent and child book. Yes. It was really, really good. Uh, the art was kind of, it made me think kind of uh, Archie. That's what it reminded me of exactly. Yeah. Which I thought was perfect for this, for the like the feel of the book. Yes. Um, I'm wondering if they're going to like skip ahead. Uh, Max Landis is just a master storyteller. He added a synopsis of, I think it was how he would do the death and return of Superman. Yeah. And I'm just like, can we, can we please make that movie? <laughs> you can keep making these Man of Steel things, but I really want to see that movie. Uh, and it was really nice to see, like have him do a, a comic because he's just really good at it. Yeah. Like there's... I mean, this has so many scenes, like iconic scenes. Like, there's the one we're talking about where there's the like he can't control his flight, so he's you know drifting off into into the air, and they have to get on like a biplane and like grab him to bring him down, and you know, and you just see him like flying, um, and it's just those are really good scenes. There's there's moments of of real, I think, emotional truth in this in this book. It's yeah, it's very Lots good. Lots of gravitas. Yes, but it's. Just as, uh, you know, the goddamned was full of basically despair and hopelessness and, you know, this is the, this is the exact opposite. This book is yeah. hope and joy, um, but without being. It's what you're supposed to get from Superman. Yes. It's the, the feel that you should have from Superman. Yep. And I love the, that like last page thing where it had like the board with all the like oh, kind of. All those like Pena, memento. Yeah. Mementos and stuff, yeah. Yeah, I thought that. And it even had like the the shoe pick. Yes. Um, and kryptonite. But <laughs> it's got like Prozac. Yeah, it's got like his. It looks like <laughs> Martha lost a baby. 
yeah, there's some. That's what I say is it's but not never... divorced from reality. Like, yeah, there are. And I never realized John was a lawyer. I never got that either, <laughs> but yeah, apparently so. Whatever. <laughs> but he like took over the family farm, I guess, which was good. Yeah. Because the lawyer thing wouldn't have worked out. I like there's also a scene uh, where they're, you know, trying to teach Clark his stuff. And, like, the neighbors can only see, like, part of it through the cornfield. And he's like, mm-hmm. goddamn hippies. <laughs> they're like. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I thought that was. that was. Nice. It's, it's like some, like, Gen Xers or hippies or something like that decided to do a farm. Yeah. Yeah, they, they and... definitely feel like they're, like, the sustainable, eco-friendly farm you know next to the guy and overall spitting out tobacco you know yeah yeah that's the sense that i got from that too um we also had uh well are we done with superman or do you got anything yep so we had uh speaking of farm boys (laughs) yes a farm boy from a desert planet this time uh we have a star wars darth vader number 12 uh from marvel comics uh written by karen gillen art by salvador la roca um so this is the end of the uh the arc with the the heist that vader orchestrated and that they're uh investigating so um this one i mean i kind of got the sense they weren't saying it throughout the book that vader must have been using his force powers to manipulate people's minds because i don't know it just seemed like the it was a little too easy for him to manipulate uh, everyone to kind of get some people to go his way yes so i, I felt that they're because, like, you've got the um, the inspector that's, uh, you know, trying to chase this down and uncover who the mastermind in, which, which is, of course, Darth Vader. Um, so Vader has been kind of, like, stringing him along the whole time. Hmm? He keeps pulling, like, a Lois Lane. I'm like, how do you not see it? It's right there. Well, and the inspector, I mean, he reminds me of Columbo a lot. He's always like, just one more question, <laughs> you know? And in this yeah, one, seriously. like, Vader was able to manipulate him into you know being right at catching um dr afra and then he was able to basically convince him that you know this is dumb we're wasting our time no one knows who this person is so catching her isn't going to do anything but the rebellion's like right over there and we don't know where they're going to be tomorrow so let's let's get them now so they you know they break off and they go and murder the living shit out of the rebellion basically (laughs) yeah yeah like, they have the whole scene, you know, it's supposed to remind you a lot, I think, of uh, the, you know, in New Hope, where they're all loading up all their stuff to go make their run on the Death Star, and they're like, you know, may the Force be with you, and then you just see Vader just destroying them. Nope. <laughs> just ripping ships out of the sky, throwing his lightsaber into people, um, just murder party <laughs> for, for Vader. Um, and then, you know, you get, like, the, the council of all the, the evil Empire people. Uh, like, them yeah, updating all their missions and squabbling with each other. Um, so, I mean... I can't wait to see Vader take all of them, the other... The replacements. Oh, and just <laughs> wipe them out? Yeah, all just kind of... I'm hoping it's, like, one by one. Yeah, well, and then, I mean, this Plus is... this weird... Fish dude. Yeah, who's like a robot apparently, which I did not realize. You know, you didn't get that. Well, I I did at the end. Well, no, he's his head is is not human, but um, he's a Mon Calamari. Mon yeah, with like a robotic body, which I don't know why. Maybe he's, I didn't notice it before, but he's kind of a callback to uh, what's his name, General Grievous. Yeah, but then like kind of mixing him with uh, Admiral Akbar. Yes. Uh, but and and he seems to be. Because by the end of the book, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got you, Vader. Yeah, which I wanted to laugh when he's like, my great rival. I'm like, you are not the rival of Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm like, <laughs> you have way. Uh, dude, go look in the mirror. You have way overestimated <laughs> who you are. Or you are lucky right now? Yes. Yes. You're lucky that he's having to deal with someone who is much more of his equal, the, the inspector. You know? Although Vader die. was, I think, able to manipulate him either with the forest or just by being you know a sith lord and a master of lies and you know manipulation um mm-hmm. the book i don't know to me i really enjoyed the the arc up to here but i thought that the conclusion of this arc was kind of not as fulfilling as i would have hoped that it would be like it was set it seemed like it was more concerned with setting up uh vader down, vader down. than in wrapping up this this arc 
So, I mean, I still really, really liked it, but that would be my, if I had to get a criticism of the book, that it seemed... I'm really curious to see what Vader down is. Well, he's he's going to that planet, and then he's, whatever's on that planet is what he's going to encounter, I guess, but... Yeah, it's, it's a big crossover book between Darth Vader and the regular Star Wars book, um, which is weird. And a special Vader down book. Yeah, which is only one issue. Like, I don't know why they didn't just make it an entire... Why don't you just make that Darth Vader number 13? Yeah, yeah. Like, let's just pad another one in here. I'm like, there's no point to that. Well, you are Marvel. True, but... So... Like, what are they going to do when they go to collect the trade, right? Is there going to be a Vader down trade, and you're going to miss a bunch of issues from Star Wars and Darth Vader? Well, they could put it all in one book. Yeah. They could just do a Vader down trade, have the first part of the Vader down trade be Vader down, and then just have that whole list of books there. I mean, there's nothing stopping them from doing that. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to read Vader down. I really, I do uh, like it. There were, there were, but like I said, it felt like more setting up that than wrapping up the last one. Like there were some moments with the droids that I thought were, were pretty funny. Um, where she's like flying away in the ship and she's like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, live another day. And then you see like the evil um, C-3PO like kind of pop around the corner. He's like, well, at least for one more day. He's like, <laughs> well, hopefully not for too long. Yeah. Or then when, I would like to see humans die. Yes, or when like uh, Doctor Afra's, uh, they're sitting on like the the planet, and she's, you know, basically saying she's worried that you know Vader's going to kill her, and then all the droids start talking about all the ways that Vader could kill her. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was kind of amusing. Um, and then you have uh, her basically, you know, basically pleading for her life with Vader, telling him, you know, that I. I want to work with you. I'm trustworthy. I didn't run from you. You know, I'm here. So I kind of accept whatever's going to happen next. But I do I do want to be on your side. And then Vader basically kind of like agrees with her and lets her live for another day. Okay, fine. Yes. And you're right. If you did run, I would find you and I would kill you. So, But you didn't. Yeah. So it's, uh, I don't know. It was... Of all the episodes, or not episodes, all the issues, <laughs> hey, that's that's a good thing. It is Star Wars. If it seems like an episode, right? Of all the issues yeah. that I've read for Darth Vader, this is probably one of my least favorites um, because it didn't, it really did not satisfy the end of the arc for me. I felt it was kind of like they were in a rush to get the It was a thing. rollover book. Yeah, yeah, I would agree yeah. with that. But it wasn't horrible. No, it wasn't horrible. I mean, it's still, you know, if I was to give it like a, rating it would be like a solid like you know four out of five star book but i expect like four and a half or five out of my you know my star wars we expect more out of you veda yes you've disappointed me for the well not in that last time because i will still keep reading but it was only great not exceptional i guess if that's the worst uh worst uh damnation you can give to the book that it's still pretty fucking good yeah yep all right also known in uh, in our list of good books, uh, Abe Sapien number twenty eight by Dark Horse Comics, written by Mark Magnola, Mignola, Mark, and Scott Alley. Who the hell is Mark Magnolia? Mark, you oh, said Mark. Mark. <laughs> <sighs> is that his cousin? <laughs> fix this. I'm not going to fix this in post. We're just going to leave this screw up in here. Mike Mignola. Ah, I said the whole thing right. And Scott Alley and art by Max. Fumara. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good book. Um, it's once again, it's 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 all the BPRD and, and Hellboy books are just kind of all heading towards an inevitable end of the world. Yes. Um, this one though was a fairly good. I liked it actually better than some of the other recent Abe Sapien books. I felt this one really stood on its own. You know. Yeah. the The other books just kind of seemed to be kind of okay. Let's keep going. Uh, but this one seemed kind of having something interesting to say more than just the let's get some more of the story here. Yeah, this one had um, I think you got more to the had more about character with it than plot necessarily because like BPRD books are very much about advancing the plot forward um, slowly, <laughs> but advancing the plot. And this one, I think you had more more time for really for. Abe Sapien for you to see like his past and um, and all of that. Plus, you know, giant scary bear that he fights, and that was that was pretty awesome. 
You there, Matt? Son of a bitch. Hey, my mute's oh. on. <laughs> Sorry. People just got here. Okay. Do you want to take so a break? I'm going to hide oh, in the room. Okay. Uh, the wonderful things about having a wireless headset. All right. So let's, I guess, let's just go back to the beginning of Abe Sapien because I don't know where we, where you... So Abe Sapien bears. Yeah. Bears are awesome. Yes. There's a, there's uh, a giant fight with a bear. <laughs> giant fight with a bear. Um, uh, trying to remember the exact storyline. No, there's the fight with the bear. There were the people that saw him and thought he was awesome. There's the creepy girl who speaks in tongues. Yeah, that was that. I like that. Uh, that like red handprint on her, her head. On her head. I thought that yeah, was, I was like, a really striking design. Oh, I gotta go back and read through old books. <laughs> well, there were so many things I'm hearing. I'm like, I bet Matt is getting so much more out of this than I am, especially when they have. I haven't read through all the Abe Sapien books. All those gray like flashback panels, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Those were good. There was a cool thing I saw. Um, I think it was a picture of Doug Jones on, I think it was the Weird Tales page on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a picture of like a bunch of fishmen attacking who everybody's thinking is is uh, Dave Jones. Um, it was the guy who played Abe in one of the Hellboy movies. Right. Um, so it's like, oh, it's Langdon Everett Call's Nightmares. <laughs> Langdon Everett Call being Abe Sapien's real name. I liked, uh, there was also, you've, you've got a lot of time periods and places in this book. And then you have like that one in, uh, it's like in Norway, I think with the, like the, like wagon, uh, that's taking them away. And then they have that shot of like the horses, like eye being all red and demony. Thought that was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, we're at this point in the story, we're kind of past anything good happening. <laughs> it's just everybody trying to stay alive and see what they can make it be not as horrible for as long as you can yeah it's it's definitely the end times here um like even the like outposts of humanity you see are like 30 people you know like it's yeah it's it's getting bad for them um i'm amazed this hasn't been picked up for a tv show abe sapien i mean like an amc show or an hbo show like no the whole bprd i mean everybody talks about having hellboy 3 movie they need to make a BPRD show because this would be just as big as Walking Dead or anything else. Well, who owns the I mean, movie studio-wise? Is it Dimension or I don't know. I don't know but, who owns. Uh, it's either Dimension or Legendary. Yeah. But I don't think they. I don't know that they necessarily own it. Um, I don't know, but they it, they should start looking into TV production. They probably have rights of first refusal on like a TV show. Would be my guess. That's true. Well, that, the other thing, though, is TV and movie are usually, not always, but usually separate rights. So, uh, I don't know. It might just be that Mignola wants to get this over with, with the, the story. Or he's got, um, he wants to get the the book written. He's more focused on the movie. Or he wants to just not do BPRT anymore because he's so tired of this. I don't know. I, I, what this book really made me realize is how much I like one-shot Hellboy stories, <laughs> you know? Yeah, one-shot Hellboy stories are awesome. One-shot uh, BPRD or Hellboy, or even like a four-story arc. Yes. Or four-book arc, rather. Or, or, this, it's just, it's so depressing. <laughs> it's, it's depressing, and there's a lot. Of... And it takes so long to get to the point. Yes. But, I mean, it's a good ride, but it's such a long fucking ride. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, this one was, like I said, is pretty self-contained. Um, so if you want to, you know, if you're missing, you know, your Abe Sapien or your Hellboys, um, that this would be a decent issue to pick up to get a pretty self-contained story. Um, like, I don't feel this is too tied to, you don't really need that much of the past. They do a lot of uh, flashback or panels that fill you in on the backstory that you need. Uh, yep. So I think this one kind of stands on its own. I think so. It was a very good book, though. Yeah. We also had um, all new Hawkeye uh, number one um, by Marvel Comics. Um, it was written by Jeff Lemire, uh, art by uh, Ramon Perez. Um, this one um, is the last. This is basically a continuation of the last uh, Hawkeye arc, where uh, the two Hawkeyes. Um, basically found these like children that have been experimented on by Hydra. Um, and they have 
you know, world-ending psychic powers, um, and Hydra came to get them, um, and they basically gave the children up because they couldn't, like, the Hydra was never going to stop coming for them, and they couldn't, uh, you know, they, they couldn't protect them or keep care of them, um, and this is the fallout of that in the, this is, like, old man Hawkeye, for lack of a better term. That's what it, it, like, literally it looked like old man Hawkeye from the old man Wolverine. Yes. Or old man Logan, rather. Um, I've not read any of these. I'm familiar with Kate from the Young Avengers. I'm still butthurt that there is no Young Avengers book. (laughs) Because, fuck, that's a good book. It is. I mean, the characters are in other books, but they're not. It's not the same. same. The interactions between them is not. It doesn't have the, oh, God, what's that guy's name? The, I think it's the artist from Wiktiv. Yeah. Um, was the with the best of the, I mean there there's been a few, Young Avengers right or artists but yeah well would yeah. would do those layout of the fights that they would have where they'd show like it almost looked like a, uh, like family circus like map of where people are going and they'd have like yes. yeah there was some really just, really good art in there. Fun. Um, this book? I like most of the art in this book, but at some point it seemed like the guy was just kind of doing sketches and turning them in. Yeah, it irritated me. I can see that. Um, I'm I'm very particular about my comic book art <laughs> and uh, like layouts as a as a stylistic reason. Uh, fucking bugs me. Well, I mean, layout is really important. Like good layout, you shouldn't necessarily notice. Um, no, but good layout shouldn't be your final art that gets colored and put into a book. Yeah. And there were panels in there that were just layouts. Well, this one, um, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a rough... Um, and they were doing it on purpose. Yeah. But I don't like it. Well, and you have um, different coloring throughout, um, you know, the, the present and the future, depending on where you're, where you're at. Like, it's either more hazy or more distinct. Um, So they have that. Um, But I thought, like, Jeff Lemire is really good at writing really basically sad stories. Um, (laughs) Like, he goes to, like, dark and sad places. That's what his stories are are like. Um, And this one, there there are moments in here where they're arguing with each other. And, like, the arguments are so real and so cutting. Um, It's... You know, I almost feel like it's someone had like a recorder going in like the worst fight you've ever had with your, you know, with your spouse and was like writing those lines down. Um, the weird thing about this, though, it, it makes me think of Green Arrow books. He does it's look like a lot like old Green Arrow. Looks Artemis. A lot like, yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, it, it was good. Uh, a little annoying. The little kid, the kids, they look like. Um, Akira. They not Akira, but like uh the the weird the three because there's like three little mutant kids in Akira. I think or they're not kids or something. They're the one that gives Tetsuo his powers. Okay. Um, and it looked literally just like that with the weird bulbous heads with like stuff. Yeah, they have like diodes and tubes and stuff coming out of their their heads i mean and this one you can't really see them all that well um because you just see them in like the uh explosions um but they are messed up like whatever hydra it's never really clear like did hydra find them this way and did some modifications to them or were they normal kids who then um was aim involved because hydra doesn't usually i mean they do but i mean aim is hydra's tech arm Right, so is there more involved than just Hydra here? Or what's the whole story? Well, like, I, the, like I said, I haven't read any of it, so it was kind of all new to me. Well, in the last arc, they did a really good job of making you like really like empathize with the kids because like they are they do have these monstrous powers, but they are still you know they are kids who like you know when they actually get there and are able to like play video games and eat pizza and you know not have Somehow horrible experiments, you know? Well, um, this is in China, right? Where they're... They're Chinese? Okay. Even I, I don't, more I don't, Akira? I don't know if they're if the kids are Chinese or if that's where they went um, for the... Uh, after, you know, where they took them after all the experiments and they got them back from the, the Hawkeyes. But this okay. one, um, they basically... After all that happened, um, 
they haven't, you know, Kate uh, and Clint haven't talked to each other for like 20 years. Like they've basically just slowly drifted apart and there's all this distance between them and they, they get back together for one last mission. And then uh, the Mandarin shows up and uh, blows them up basically. So I don't know if, uh, I mean, you're left on a cliffhanger where you don't know what's going to happen to, to Kate. Like if she is, you know, she's really messed up, whether she's going to live or die, you don't know. Um, and you've got all that, uh, we don't even know if that's going to be the future. It's just what the future looks like right now. Yeah. Well, and you've got all of these, this unresolved conflict between them, you know, um, like when he writes his, uh, like I was saying, his dialogue, when they're talking to each other, um, you know, where Clint's, uh, like telling her like, oh, you know, we can work through this. We're a really good team you know, we work really well together. And she's like, that's the thing. We don't work well together. And then she just, she tells him like, why it just, it, it's really cutting. Like, I, I really felt that there was a lot of, yeah, know, he's like, of truth Look, in it. You're all I have left. Yeah. I mean, there's the Avengers and all that other stuff, but you're the only one that actually I can talk to who shoots bows. Yeah. <laughs> you're the only one who understands me. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it, it was good. If you like, um, if you especially if you read the last arc and you want to find out what happened to those kids after they get taken, um, or if you like the interaction between um, between Kate Bishop and Clint, um, this book is really good at both of those things. Um, yeah. And it also is a good. It plays with time. Like the last one had um, the past and the present together. Like you'd have flashbacks. Mm-hmm. This one is kind of like the present and then a flash forward. So it's kind of it's playing on that idea, but it's it's using different different jump, jumps where it's telling the two parallel stories. So yeah. I enjoyed it. All in all, a good book. Didn't leave us in limbo. <laughs> like the next book. Uh, that was a great transition uh, there, man. I know. Limbo number one, Image Comics. <gasps> Not Image. <laughs> uh, written by Dan Waters? Waters. And art by Dan Waters. I surprisingly like this book. I've never heard of it. Uh, well, what it, it is, was really it nice number... Constantini type story. Yeah, I mean it is a number one, so I mean. Yeah, well, no, I didn't. Right, but there's so many books that Image puts out where it could be like you know, a continuation it, of something else, and this one the artist seemed like the artist is not Dan Waters. The artist is Casper uh, Onegard. I must it says Dan Waters. Casper will come after us, and now he's going to hurt us and take us down. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, Lightfield hasn't done that yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, who's the artist again? Uh, the artist is Casper Wungard. Okay. Casper, we're sorry. <laughs> Don't hurt us. Um, I really like this book. It was interesting. It was, <laughs> it, it's, it was weird, but it was good. It was weird. It's like a straight-up American Constantine, like it should be. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of um, Memento, if you saw that. I've never seen it. Uh, it's about a guy who can't remember anything that happened, and he has, like, all these tattoos that remind him of what... He only has, like, a 24-hour memory. I mean, mm-hmm. he has, this guy remembers everything that's happened to him after, you know, the seven months or whatever where he lost his memory, but, like, the vibe is very similar to, to that movie. Yeah. But I like this. Uh, I'd be surprised if you like this one because, I mean, it wasn't quite as wolfish as Wolf, but it reminds me a lot of Wolf. It was – there were parts in it that are just strange. Like the the whole thing with like the, the TV uh, tuned to the static while they're doing their voodoo ritual and there's like that goat. Um, they're just images that are really striking and unusual and, and disturbing. Um uh, see me being a weirdo; those weren't strange to me. <laughs> well, I mean, I recognize them as, you know, parts of like the idea of like the static. You know, like I get, I get that, I get what's going on, but it's, it is unusual. I, I, and I mean, I'm not an expert on Vudan, but uh, this seemed like I'm not either. They, I, it I, seemed I, like they knew what they were talking about to me. Yeah, Grant Morrison scared me off of Voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get in a scorpion. <laughs> but I, I mean, I like this enough. Um, I don't know if I'll keep reading it or not. Uh, I will. But I definitely, I enjoyed it. Um, 
it, it's kind of up my vein of uh, occult detective noir weirdness. Yeah, it's it's definitely like it's strange. Like at the end, where you have those like, are they zombies or are they? I don't know what they are. Where they're like eating that body on the boat and. Yeah, I was curious about those because I mean, are they like, uh, are they just being ridden? Um, are they crocodile men? They're like, ooh, a dead body. Yeah, it's. Um, but then their teeth like turned all creepy and sharp. But they were at the bar earlier. I'm like, what's going on here? It's kind of cool. I think the thing that most took me out of the book was the luchador mask. No, I totally, I was cool with the luchador mask. I did that. It literally did not drop it because I could completely see something like that in in that kind of world. Um, also, I could have sworn there was a luchador mask in some James Bond movie, like one of the Roger Moore ones. There's like a character that has a luchador mask. If there wasn't, get on it, people. <laughs> no, I th- I thought it was a good good mystery that had some weird occulty type stuff that seemed fairly authentic to me. Mm-hmm. You know, which image is really good at pumping out right now. Yeah, well, and what I liked about their portrayal of like the the voodoo is it wasn't all like you know like Baron Samedi like it seemed like an updated voodoo like using the traditions and ideas, but they were using like modern tools to to do it. Like when she was putting herself in a trance, she's got you know her like music cranked up really loud that she's dancing to, and they're using the TV static as like a white noise kind of thing to tune yeah. into the spirit world, like. Not that the Baron is not welcome in a modern Voodoo book. <laughs> I'm sure he will make an appearance. There will be some guy in a top hat, and we will know. <laughs> and then they also had like well, all the I like... think they did. I mean, the Baron is just another face on. Uh... Oh fuck, who was it? I think Papa Legba is related to the Baron. And I could have sworn they did something about Papa Legba in there. They might have. There was a lot in here. Like I feel like this book is definitely worth like a second read if you. Like, you'll read it once, you'll get the story, and then you'll read it a second time, and you'll see all the little details of what's what's going on, you know. Mm-hmm. Or if there yeah, is, just... you know, any of our le- readers, or not readers, listeners out there who know a thing or two about Vudan and can tell us what the hell is going on here. Actually, I, I have some friends, and I could ask them, but <laughs> I don't know if I want to <laughs> bring it up. Uh, I mean, there might be some part of uh, you know some sort of strange conspiracy <laughs> yeah, we got uh, which brings us to our next one um, which uh, is the Illuminati number one uh, from Marvel Comics uh, written by Joshua Williamson art by Sean Crystal so this one is it's the story of um, Titania um and trying to Titana, Titana, and uh, Titania is Oberon's queen. <laughs> and uh, is it, it's the Absorbing Man, right? And they're the Absorbing Man is in jail, and she's out, and they're she's trying to go to go straight and narrow, go clean, you know, not be a criminal anymore. Um, but she can't find any work because um, everyone knows who she is, and that she's you know basically a supervillain, so she can't get a, a decent job anywhere. Um, and she ends up, uh, getting a job at like a pawn shop as like their, their muscle basically. Um, yeah. Just like looks or muscle for looks though. Yeah. And then a robbery happens. Um, and she gets, you know, basically blamed for the robbery. Um, there's She-Hulk in here, um, which the She-Hulk was nice cause, uh, She-Hulk's a, a Titana hero or nemesis, which yeah. is weird. You just say a, a She-Hulk villain, but no. <laughs> Um, and unfortunately the fucking red cloak or whatever the hell his name is. That's the Parker. Yeah. Jim Bob. That to me was the weakest part of the book. I hate him. I hate him so much. <laughs> I want him to disappear. I want Dr. Strange to show up and go, you know, fuck you and just disappear. him. I hate that character. I felt like the story, like I didn't think you needed that. I was totally invested in the story of, her, you know, basically trying to make it through the world and the struggle between, you know, going back to your life of crime and how hard it is to, like, break that cycle. Like, I thought that was a pretty cool story. Like, I didn't need that that element of it of 
you know, the criminal organization blackmailing her, manipulating her, um, you know, into pulling off, you know, one last job. Like, I, I didn't really need that in the book. Um, yeah, uh, it's... I really would like a book. I mean, there's a lot of Marvel right now where the villains are seeming to go good. Um, or at least not quite so bad. Right. Um, and, and just write a book about that. Well, there and, there was a book called Superior Foes of Spider-Man that I think this is the kind of the... Is that what that was about? Uh, well, it wasn't that they were trying necessarily to go good. It was more like the Joe Workaday schlub criminal, you know? Mm-hmm. Like not, you know, not like a. Which are most of them? Yeah, they're mostly B level villains. Well, I mean, because they're or C. They're like right above the joke level villain, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not, you know, a Doctor Doom or, you know, something like that. They're they're lower level. Um, they, like the Beetle. Yeah, they're like if there was a level of they're not a Green crime, Goblin. They're, you know, they're not master criminals. They're they're more working. They're not class. Sinister Six. They're. Yeah. I'm a little worried. Five. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so this book kind of has that same feel to it. Um, I mean, I think this one is more about trying to like leave the world of crime and how hard that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I just don't know why they then called it the Illuminati. Well, the organization, yeah, it, that that uh, guy in the red cloak uh, thing is trying to do um, mm-hmm. is the the Illuminati. Um, but why they chose that title, I don't really know. Um, and, and and the whole point of the thing is stealing weapons from Asgard. Because one, that's a good idea. <laughs> um, but two, really, man, you can't think of anything else less dangerous to do. And then three, what is Illuminati about this? I mean, you've got some like second-tier villains... Right? right, one of them who's wanting to go straight, but you're talking her and it's like, oh, we're gonna you know do one last hit and it's gonna make you all rich and there's very little danger and all that and we're gonna yeah because it's not like Asgard get would come after army. you you know right <laughs> yeah so it's I mean I liked there were there were like character elements in here that I really enjoyed um, I don't know how much I like the the actual Illuminati that's in the book um, like that part to me is is kind of weak um, but. I mean, overall, I liked it. I enjoyed um, the fact that when like the heroes show up, they're kind of assholes, <laughs> and they yeah. well, they won't but, listen to and her. He's like, <laughs> you know, well, they're they, you know they're, that that's what would happen. Yeah, I like that it was Power Man and Iron Fist. Um, I'm so not happy about how Netflix is going. Really? Because <laughs> I really want an Iron Fist movie or a show rather, and 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 they're they're not doing an Iron Fist show anymore. They're still doing Power Man, like and they're doing Fifty Shades of Purple. Hey, I like Power Man, and I am going to watch the shit out of Jessica Jones. I like Power Man, but Power Man is not Power Man and Jessica Jones, Heroes for Hire. Power Man is Power Man and Iron Fist, Heroes for Hire. They're not doing Iron Fist, and Iron Fist, the only reason they're not doing Iron Fist is because they, quote-unquote, can't figure it out. Well, I wrote a synopsis for it. I'm sure there's a thousand other comic book geeks that could write you a good synopsis for what you do for an Iron Fist show. Go watch some fucking fung, or kung, kung Fu. Kung Fu, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. People that, are like, I don't magic. know what to do with the show. I'm like, you know there's like 40 years of writing that have been done that you could right. well, pick uh, the best arc, you know. Yeah. Do the immortal weapon of Iron Fist. Yeah. They just did it. It's like a five-year-old story. Go do that. Yeah. Not that hard. <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, again, this is they're all, probably the easiest book to do. They're all millionaires and geniuses, and I am neither one. So what do I know about yeah, adapting a thing? But, uh, yeah, I, mean, <sighs> I really did like that they, they show up, and she's like, no, no, guys, I'm not here to fight you. Just listen to me no, for a guys, second. They're I'm like, working here. I took them down. Yeah. And she's like, no, she was robbing me. Yeah, and then they and just like, start punching. You fucker. Yeah. <laughs> Which I wanted her to turn around and go, you son of a bitch. Well, they have that line where she's like, what, son of a butt, I think is her her curse word that she... I missed that. Oh, that would have been awesome. I should reread that. Yeah. There's like a little panel that I took a shot of where <laughs> they're getting ready to fight. And it's just like this, are you fucking kidding me? Look on her face, you know? Fucking every time. Well, every goddamn time I try to go straight. 
and I mean, this is by um, Williamson, who does um, he does uh, Birthright over on Image that I really love. He also does Nailbiter um, on Image, and now he's doing this. And they're all very different. Like, there's a wide range of stuff he can write. You've got like a fantasy book, you've got a book about serial killers, and then you have this. And oh, speaking of fantasy books, I started reading Saga. Oh, and how do you like it? I like it. Yeah, I'm confused, but I like it. Saga's real good. They're actually the I think thirty the next issue is coming out in maybe next month, and it's another jump in time. So no, well I've only like four issues in. So yeah, keep reading. It's, keep it's reading. Still pretty good. It gets it gets weird and good, and like Fiona Staples like draws some some art that you uh, <laughs> didn't could not imagine before you saw it. You know. Like she, she does some really good stuff. Christina has a uh, an issue with a, a dragon. When you'll get there, you know the dragon I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> it's signed that is is pretty awesome. Nice. Yeah. Is it pretty wicked? Uh, and divine. And divine. Ah, wicked and like number like wicked and divine number sixteen. Very much not as gothy though. Not as gothy. That was a very gothy book. Yes. It was. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, this one's by Image Comics, written by our our, our good friend Kieran Gillen. <laughs> I like, wish he was a good like friend. His... He can show up as a guest host. Just saying. <laughs> we might have our, to by, uh... have like an English translation from the Scottish, but we'll. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> ah, no, I'm good. I'll probably drop into a Scottish accent. He'll get offended. <laughs> I'm sure it would be like if you met somebody from like, you know, Russia who starts talking to you in like a Texas accent. You're like, what are you doing? Well, that's now talk about. No, wait, I started doing Australia. <laughs> Let's... Now you say here. We're going to talk about comic books tonight. This is why accents are generally not a good idea. I read me up some of that classic Ghost Rider. That's so good. Ghost Rider. And then I read me up. What's that trucker guy? Hey, <laughs> something. He's real good. Red, white, and blue. Just like the flag. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. These books just keep getting older. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> so the art on this is by a uh, Lila Del Luca, Matt Lopez, and Jamie McKelvey. Because why just have one? Well, because they're they're <laughs> all doing different pages. Like Shit. The yeah, there's a lot of artists on here. Yeah, it was a really good book. Um, there's <laughs> the one scene that you and I are both gonna chuckle about. Because they're talking about playing vampire, and I'm like, eh, I got that right away. Yeah, well, <laughs> like I started reading it, I'm like, is this what they're doing? I'm like, oh, God. yeah, and I'm like, wait, no, and we go, they're going for no, it, yes, that's it, and they have all the details right, pretty much. Yes, <laughs> you know? I was like, that means, <laughs> I, and well, I can't say if it was a good uh, vampire or the current vampire. Uh. Well, it's not Requiem, if that's what you mean by current vampire, even though Requiem <laughs> is in and of itself 10 years old. Um, but that's Masquerade that they're talking about. Bah. There is no... The Toreador are a, uh, a Deva bloodline. They're not their own clan. Deva. I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm sure no one else does either. Because but... <laughs> like, nobody... They're like, okay, well, that's great, but um, I'm going to go over here and play Masquerade. So, or well at night. So this one, uh, yeah, had a, a healthy uh, dose of uh, gothic flashback. Uh, it was nonconformist. <laughs> it was pretty good. I guess if that you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you know, it's pretty good. I mean, if things are good, I mean, nothing really is good nowadays. It's all. It's all pointless, nervous. and the world's gonna end, and who yeah. cares? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of where we started this episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the world's going to end at the beginning. And at the end. The alpha and the omega of our podcast. The world is terrible. It's going to end. Who cares? Yeah. This was, it was a really good book. I mean, it's uh, not like a, a well, bright point. I guess it would be a dark point because um, <laughs> of the gothiness. Yeah. It, it moved ahead to give us the backstory, I think, of... Uh, the Morgan and Baphomet. 
when we were talking about the all the different artists, I thought it was a really smart idea to have because, like you said, you have this story set both in like the future and the past that using different artists to do those different time periods um, was a good way to make it not as glaring of an artist change. You know, yeah. like that was that was a smart way to break it up. It was very good, a uh, very enjoyable book. Uh, I, I think every time Wicked and Divine pops up, it's it's on our show. I think so. I think it's one of those. Um, and I really, I want to talk to Christina about this book so much because she is the Wicked and Divine uh, expert amongst us for sure. Um, she's the one who got me into the book. Um, and uh, she just, she knows like every intricacy of the, the book. I'm sure there's so many things I missed here. Um, but it was, it was pretty good. Um, you had the, the Gothic uh, flashback. You had the little, the prison thing with the, the hamburger meat or the ketchup, I guess, on the hamburger. I love that scene. <laughs> the baffle meat. The baffle meat. <laughs> that was so fucking awesome. Yeah, it's just so this, is a, this is baffle meat. It's just really creative. You know, something that you like would never, you know, I've never seen uh, ketchup on a hamburger animate to show me a god talking to me in prison. Never seen that that's, before, so that's... That's not normal? No, no, not, not without uh -oh. a whole bunch of acid. <laughs> Uh-oh. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was really good. The art was, even though you had different artists, but the way that they broke up... It blended all together. I couldn't even tell. Yeah, I mean... I, I understand they were different artists, and they have different styles, but the, sh the, the story just flowed. But if you had told me it was the same artist purposely doing slightly different styles for the time period, I would have believed it. You know? Yeah. Um, like they all, they all worked pretty seamlessly uh, together, you know? Yeah. I did like the scene where they're at, they're all in their, like their goth outfits at the funeral. And they're like, well, at least this time we're dressed appropriately. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Well, I thought that was we're in the right clothes for once. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, and then that that scene, I, I felt like so rarely do you get a scene that you felt was written just for you, but like the whole scene <laughs> with the uh, the vampire larpers was absolutely a scene that could not have been more. I could not have enjoyed more. Yes, yeah, seriously. I was like, I'm just gonna reread this page a few times. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, that's the stuff. It was it was pretty good. <laughs> and then, um, I mean, plot wise. Um, You've got um, they're in like a, a cell that they're uh, they're talking to people uh, through, and you've got other like gods like communicating with them through the through their lunch. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and then they've also got the little the god of wisdom uh, kid in here that I think we Athena? saw a little bit. Um, is that Athena? I don't know. That's Athena. Yeah, we saw them a little bit uh, at the like the hospital scene last time. I'm almost 13. Yeah. <laughs> was it for a God of wisdom? There's a lot you don't know. Yeah. 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 That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I really, I did. I enjoyed this a lot. Uh, it was very good. It was, and I'm surprised, honestly, by Carissa. I'm not mad at her or anything. Um, but I, I'm amazed she didn't really like this book's list of books. It was really good. I felt this week was really strong. Like, the Goddamned and Superman American Alien were, like, neck and neck for me for what I would have picked for Pick of the Week. And they're yeah. totally and, you know, opposite I books, you know? People not liking American Alien. I really wish she was here so I could have debated her on it. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's it, it's not just a a big list of, like, mainline books. I, I felt that that book was really much more about parenting than anything else. Yeah, that's I mean, especially American Alien. It was, I mean, it's really hard for me to have the goddamn be the pick of the week. The reason it did is because it's going to have like this one chance. <laughs> Superman will pop up again. True. The goddamned probably going to be an ongoing story, but yeah, I mean, Jason Aaron can sell a damn book. Not going to pop up so. as much as Superman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, can you imagine Jason Aaron doing Superman? Oh fuck! <laughs> Jason Aaron God, is well. You'd have so if Jason Aaron wrote it, you'd have like a Superman arc. Then you'd have like a Lex Luthor arc. Then maybe you'd have like a like a Jimmy Ol uh, arc. And then they'd all meet up. I'm waiting for the problem for a big showdown. You know, <laughs> it's just like uh, uh, Jim Jimmy, what are you doing here? <laughs> uh, you need to go back. 
you know what he would probably actually be really good at is like um maybe like a justice league thing where he could give you like an arc for each person you know but that would be like right. a 30 oh that would arc. be cool yeah but he's really good at that kind of stuff yeah yeah so um i know this was last week but did you read the dark side war of superman uh i started reading dark side war of superman um i got about halfway through it i wasn't super in love with it and then it I, was superman 3 and then i had like 30 other books to read so it was totally superman 3 i do have all the uh like, the dark side i'm jerk superman yeah that was yeah i mean i don't really need jerk oh, I, superman um why why does the dark side energy do that well that makes sense probably because that's new 52 superman that's my biggest complaint about new 52 is that the, this is what they did with the heroes. They're all jerks. Not normally. Huh? Not yeah. Normally. Did you read these first few New 52 Supermans? It's why I stopped reading the New 52, except for Wonder Woman. I did not like... So this is going back, like, what, four years now that the New 52 has been yes. out? Yes. Um, I didn't really like... I, my understanding is it got better. But when it first came out, everybody was an asshole. Um, I, I gotta disagree with Batman you. has... A license to be an asshole. Batman is beyond reproach with his Scott Snyder run. That is, I would put. I that, haven't read the Scott Snyder run. If not the best run of Batman I, ever in the, the top Joker thing three. Fucks with me. It's so fucking awesome. If you actually read the whole arc, the face thing just bugs me. Well, that's not. It's just that's not Snyder. More... That's from um, Detective. Well, I thought that was Snyder. That's well, he has to use it because it happened in Detective, Detective Comics, right? But that's not. Yeah. That's not his contribution to the the mythos okay so i thought he was the one that did that nope that um, was whoever did uh the first so who one did, who did earth one i don't remember i read I, I, that was I, I read or i don't think so i read earth sure. one and i liked it just fine um but i wasn't you know i was on it for probably like 20 issues or something like that yeah <sighs> but yeah there were really strong books this week um, they were. Um, there were a lot of really strong books. I like them. Um, I don't really got anything more to say. I, I think. I think that is what I have to say about the books this week. All right. So, those were the books for the we read this week. Uh, to read our reviews, check out our weekly pull lists and other nerd shenanigans. Go to fourcolornerds.com. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and on Podcast Addict. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and be sure to come back next week for another episode. Until then, keep reading, nerds.